Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Dick Durbin's got a plan to restock our military with all of the illegals crossing the border. Is Jawan Howard about to see the hot seat become the I'm not the coach seat for Michigan basketball? Also, is CBDC the cure for the national debt? I'm Andrew Coppins. This is a Truth or Fiction Tuesday right here on Critical Thinking. Good Truth or Fiction Tuesday to you all. I hope you're strapped in. We've got four, yes, four Truth or Fiction statements that we are going to go through. And folks, you can participate in this program every Tuesday at The Coppin Show on X or Facebook. Go ahead, write out your statement that you want me to decide whether it is truth or fiction. Just that simple. Every single Tuesday, every Monday, I put that... Uh, that post out on X and you can simply send in your statements in the comments and you might make the show. Speaking of which today, Pat Oni, the co-host of the program who's on maternity leave and we'll have to figure it out or paternity leave, I should say, um, from the show. And we'll have to figure out how he fits in going forward, um, with a new schedule and all of that. But he is participating as you could have seen yesterday if you went to At The Coppin Show from At The Padoni Show. So, we've got a couple of truth or fiction statements to deal with from him and a few of my own. So, now is a great time to dive right on in. So, the first of the truth or fiction statements. Truth or fiction, black unemployment is at an all-time low. Now, you might be saying, "What? where are you pulling all of this crap from what what does it matter well last week when we had gavin newsom lie through his teeth over and over and over and over again in his debate with ron DeSantis, one of the claims that gavin newsom made was that black unemployment was at an all-time low period point blank in the history of recorded 
unemployment rates. Interesting. So here's the rub on this. It's both truth and fiction. And it's, I would say, 25% truth and 75% fiction. And I'm about to show you why. Because it is true that as of April of this year, black unemployment hit a record low 4.7%. The first time that that rate has fallen below 5% since the department began tracking that statistic for black individuals in 1972. Now, why would Gavin Newsom have brought that up in November of 2023, a number from April of this year? Well, because prior to that number, the lowest recorded black unemployment rate in American history came in the Trump administration. Again, that was at 5.3% in 2019. However, as with almost every government statistic and data point, the devil is always in the details. And this is part of why this is 75% fiction. So what you need to know about that rate in April first is this. The unemployment rate for the group is driven in part by a drop in labor force participation. It went from 64.1% in March to 63% in April. Now, the unemployment rate for black Americans also remains higher as of April of 2023 than white people, which was at 3.1%, and Asians at 2.8%. 4 to 3.1 to 2.8. Well, but... How did we get to 4.7% is the important number. And that's why you have to look at, oh, more people were dropping out of the labor force participation number. A 1% drop in that number is a dramatic effect on the overall unemployment rate. Because when you take people who were on unemployment or were unemployed long term and remove them, you get what? A better, right? A better unemployment rate because you have fewer people that are unemployed according to the U.S. Department of Labor statistics and how they measure that. If you have less people in the labor participation force, but more of those who are in that force employed than unemployed, when you have 1% of the unemployed drop out, it has a dramatic effect on that statistic. But furthermore, as to that 4.7%, okay, that's right. April of 2023, it was at 4.7%. But it immediately shot back up to 5.6% as of May of this year, which tells you what? That that 4.7% number was an absolute statistical anomaly because since May, the number has been 6% in June. And in July, 5.8%, down to 53 in August, back up to 57 in September. 
And in October, that number is 5.8% once again. Now, here's the good piece of information. When you take a look at this statistic from uh, 2010, okay, let's take April of 2010. The black unemployment rate was 16.6%. And this is according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, okay? That's in 2010. In 2020, that number was 16.8% as of May, which was the height of what? The artificial COVID-19 shutdown of the economy and thus everybody losing their jobs. 30 million Americans on unemployment, 30 million Americans searching for jobs or wondering if their job is even going to be there in a month, two months' time. Something I very intimately knew. Even in May, right, this was 2010 levels. Not the highest that we have ever seen, by the way, for black Americans. But the number that Gavin Newsom touted is, at this point, let's do the math, April to May, May to June, June to July, July to August, August, September, September, October. It is at least six months old. And now, in a few days, we're likely to get the number from November. But it's at least six months old. Do I blame Ron DeSantis for not being able to counter that with, yes, uh, you are correct, Gavin, six months ago that was the case. However, that number has now shot up again by a, a by 1%, and their black unemployment rate is now closer to 6% than 5%. And why might that be? Well, it has everything to do with how that number is calculated, as I pointed out. So when you hear Democrats and liberals or, or not even liberals, but when you hear Democrats and socialists, lest I repeat myself these days, but when you hear the left on the umbrella term try to tout this as a success point for Bidenomics, it would be one thing if that number was 4.7% in, in, um, in April, and then it stayed under 5% or right around 5% and hasn't jumped right back to that 1% difference in labor participation rate, right? It would be one thing if that is a sustainable or sustained condition. The reality of, of all of this is that the black unemployment rate has not changed much since the previous record low under the... Trump administration. That's the reality of this is that it's been pretty much steadily. It's, you know, it went way up during the COVID-19 thing, just like everybody else, but has steadily depreciated to the point where it's pretty much leveled off where it was prior to COVID-19, which is a good thing because that was the previous low water mark for black unemployment. Could that's, Overall, good news, but it would also tell us that regardless of whose policies were in place, this is a natural byproduct of where the economy is and was.
So again, mostly fiction, just a sliver of truth from Gavin Newsom. But let's go forward here and take a look at Pat's first truth or fiction for me. And that first truth or fiction is Juwan Thug Howard will be fired at the end of this season if he can't turn the program around. Now, here's the rub with all of this. You have to take into consideration his overall health. Okay, that's the reality of this. He has been unhealthy. He hasn't been around the team all that often. Okay, but in the Big Ten right now, Michigan sits at four and four overall. That's right, four and four. It has lost games to Oregon, Texas Tech, Memphis, Long Beach State. Say what? Say what? Now, it's beaten UNC Asheville, St. John's, Youngstown State, and Stanford. It owns exactly no wins over quality opponents. And sorry, not sorry, Stanford, you're not a quality basketball program right now. It has zero wins against any credible opponent at this point in time. But is that at the feet of Juwan Howard? Or is that at the feet of the fact that his assistants can't really get the ball rolling down the court, if you will? I don't know. I really don't. It'll be interesting because Juwan Howard finally got back on the bench, I think, like a week ago. So can he right that ship? Can he become competitive in the Big Ten? I don't know because the Big Ten is going to be hyper-competitive at the top. And Michigan expects to compete to be in that top four, top six of the Big Ten every year. When you are losing games to Long Beach State, when you're losing games to other top programs over and over and over again, does that portend for success going forward? I don't know the answer to that. What I do know, though, is they've got Indiana and Iowa in the first two games here, I believe tonight, and then on Saturday or Sunday. I think it might be Sunday. Um, so we're going to know a lot more about this program when they get into this into Big Ten play here. I think the bigger question is, is it the end of 2023 or the end of 2024 that Pat was asking about? or the end of the season in March of 2024. I could see Michigan saying to Juwan, hey, go focus on your health. If we get these two games as losses, Indiana and Iowa, go focus on your health. We're going to do the interim thing, and then we're going to allow you to bow out gracefully because don't forget Michigan's all about integrity. Wink, wink, for those who are not watching on Rumble or X. Again, if you aren't doing that, you can go there and subscribe. 
You can go to rumble.com backslash critical thinking, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, find the show, make sure you um, hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up. You can like the program and uh, the videos and it'll help us uh, grow the show. And of course, always download, rate, review, make sure you're following, subscribing, whatever your podcasting platform allows you to do uh, for this program. It's the organic way that costs you literally nothing in this holiday season to help us grow. All right. So I fervently believe that this is truth. Jawan Howard is likely either the end of 2023 so that they can just allow an interim situation and, and move forward and look deep into the program and see whom wants it on the court and, more importantly, whom they could hire behind the scenes. And they can take their time with the search. Jawan Howard, for me, is, is an abysmal failure for Michigan. He doesn't represent them in a positive light more than more often than not. I mean, attempting to fight Greg Gard, Greg freaking Gard, you know, one of the most mild-mannered coaches in all of college basketball. Come on, man. Um, I I just there's a lot of things when you when you take a look at that the image that he is portraying, the lack of fundamental foundational principles within the program, the fact that they're losing more than they're winning, the fact that he's got his own health issues to worry about. Um, I, I just, I don't see a good mix for this long term. I, I, the, the question that Michigan needs to answer is, can they do this with somebody that is currently on staff and just transition that way? Or are they going to need to go outside of the program and find somebody to lead it again? At the end of the day, I think the question, again, is just simply, is it the end of this calendar year or the end of the season? Um, if I were doing it, I would go the end of this calendar year. I would give him the Indiana, the Iowa game. Then they've got Eastern Michigan, Florida, and McNeese State before they head back into Big Ten play to start uh, January 4th. So he's going to have three games. Well, really, one, two, three, four. He's got five games here. If they could go three and two or four and one in those games, if they could win one of the two Big Ten games and then sweep Florida, McNeese State, and Eastern Michigan, maybe, maybe he's got a case to keep his job. If not, I say take him out of the picture for health reasons, let them ride off into the sunset, and uh, you go the interim route for the rest of the year, and then you're just going back channel to find the right person by the end of the season. That's the reality that I think would be the right thing, unless he shocks us all and goes four and one or five and zero oh somehow before the end of this calendar year. That's where I'm at with that. Now, before we get into the rest of truth or fiction, folks, do not forget, uh, we are about supporting businesses that won't insult you. That's really where we need to be. It doesn't matter that the person owning the business might be conservative or libertarian or Democrat or socialist or whatever. If they're making good products and they only care about making good products, not using it for political aims or whatever have you, 
we're with you because we need to get back to that neutrality of business. We really do. I believe that that is a lot of where the angst and the issues in our society stem from, is that business somehow needs to take a position on every social issue, on every economic issue, on every political issue, this, that, and everything in between. Media matters and, and everybody else putting all the pressure on advertisers at X and all of those things. Well, guess what? The fine folks at coffeebrandcoffee.com just care about producing really high-quality, small-batch, individually-roasted coffee putting it into a bag, sending it to you with no pol politics, no political messaging, none of it, just simply focusing on the coffee. So for you, the coffee lover out there, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout. Again, that is coffeebrandcoffee.com, promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 10% off of your purchase today. And if you do so this week, you easily can give it as gifts and and have no problems next week you're you're starting to run in to uh the holiday season so think about doing it this week over at coffeebrandcoffee.com enter the promo code critical thinker at checkout for 10 percent off of your purchase today so let's go ahead and get back in to truth or fiction tuesday and i've got a second truth or fiction my second truth or fiction is our <clears throat> quote-unquote leaders in Washington, D.C. are literally inviting a coup into our midst, and it will all be legal. You might be saying, what, pray tell, are you talking about? Well, <clears throat> Dick Durbin, one of the two great senators from my great state of Illinois, had this to say on the floor of the Senate. What troubles me about the debate now about the southern border is it is one half of the immigration equation. Yes, we need order at the border. Yes, we need to have changes in the laws that reflect the reality of the overwhelming numbers from all over the world who are coming to our, our shores and our border. But there is also an incredible demand for legal immigration into this country even now. The presiding officer, my colleague from the state of Illinois, has legislation which addresses one aspect of that. Her bill, and I hope I describe it accurately, says that if you are an undocumented person in this country and you can pass the physical and the required test, background test, the like, you can serve in our military, and if you do it honorably, we will make you citizens of the United States. Do we need that? Do you know what the recruiting numbers are at the Army and the Navy and the Air Force? They can't reach their quotas each month. They can't find enough people to join our military forces. And there are those who are undocumented who want the chance to serve and risk their lives for this country. Should we give them the chance? I think we should. And let me tell you about other... So, the argument... So, the statement is truth. Because we have history that tells us this. Senator Durbin, a very simple question to you. Have you ever studied Roman history? Ever? What do we know about great civilizations of the past? The Romans, the Greeks, the Egyptians, whatever have you. When they become so big that 
their own citizens cannot populate the military. What do they do? Go on conquest and this, that, and everything else, and then the conquered people, right? The the people outside of the borders become their military. They they take take their territory and then force them into what? Now we're not taking physical territory here. That's not what I'm saying. But what we are do is mentally telling people come here. And you can gain citizenship by simply serving in the military and maybe, quote unquote, sacrificing for a few years. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, but they're going to pass a background check. Ask anybody who's served in the military how easy it is to pass a background check at the, at that point. Also, what background? How are you going to find the information? They're, they're already undocumented. Large swaths of them are using fake names and IDs and all sorts of things. How are you going to vet this correctly? We can't do it for the people who are already at the border claiming asylum. This is nuts. This is exactly how you turn your society inside out or outside in in this case. But you you are literally saying to China, which, by the way, we just saw an entire border sector stop a group of an illegal immigrant population. 100% of them fighting age men from China on the southern border, not to mention what's going on on the northern border. The, the, the people smuggling the drugs and doing all of the human trafficking and all those things, are those the, the ones that you're going to put into the military? There's already documented cases of those types of people already infiltrating our military getting the weaponry experience and and all of that, getting the logistical experience and this, that, and everything else, the technological experience to then turn it against us. We're literally inviting the enemy to come here, serve in our military, and turn us inside out. It's literally part of what happened with Rome and its fall. It is not all, obviously, but they were Roman citizens, except for they weren't real Roman citizens. They were the conquered 
Roman population or the conquered populations that Rome decided to say, yeah, nah, brah, too. So I, I, I don't understand that mentality. Well, we can't fill our quotas, so let's turn to the people who desperately want to come. You don't understand your history. You don't know what time it currently is. And you are literally saying to the enemy, come here and we're going to hand you weapons. We're going to hand you our drones. We're going to hand you our technology. We're going to hand you the keys to our safety and security, if you will. What? What? Pray ta- so, yes, unfortunately, some leaders in Washington, D.C. make this truth. Make it true that they're inviting a coup. We've long talked about how socialists want to to use the current apparatuses of government, and that's exactly how they figured it out in Nazi Germany. That's what they did with some of the Bolshevik revolution, not all of it, most of it bloody, obviously, but some of it using the political apparatus within the Russian uh, state. We've seen it with Mussolini and the fascist takeovers. We've seen it all throughout you know, 20th century history, time and time again, that socialists use and figured out that if you use the current apparatus to turn it inside out, it requires two things. Number one, people of military age that are like you, taking up military positions or paramilitary positions. And then number two, you populate all of the levers of government, and then you turn the government inside out. We have that within our government system already. You take a look at all of the socialists that populate the bureaucracy, all of the socialists that populate all of the positions within the executive branch, with the exception of the president of the United States, who is just doing their bidding. He is their Hindenburg. If you want to go down the the route of of comparing the Weimar Republic time of German history to how they then transitioned right into Nazism. Now, the only difference being that they, they do not have enough people of their kind within the U.S. Senate or within the uh, Congress at this point. But it doesn't really matter when you control all the levers of power that they've already handed their power from the congressional and senatorial side of things over to. This is wholly dangerous. This is stupid. This is insane. What the reality is, is that we need better incentives. We need people of our own national citizenry to want to serve in the military. Well, when you've done what you did to the people who'd refuse to take COVID-19 shots, right? In the most healthiest of the populations that could have possibly populated the military. When you watch what you've done to their pay, their pensioning, their VA hospital system, all of the above, what incentive is there for them? They get crap pay. You disincentivize 
um, them from thinking for themselves when it comes to their own medical needs. You then also play fast and loose with their benefits that we're supposed to give to the people who are willing to fight for our country voluntarily. And then you stick them with crap care and no real options in or outside of VA systems. All right, so then, with that having been said, Pat has his second truth or fiction statement that he sent me, and it's this. World leaders see CBDC, meaning Central Bank Digital Currency, as a way to eliminate debt. Again, Central Bank Digital Currency as a way to eliminate debt. Thank you, Pat, for bringing this up. I 1,000% believe this to be true. I 1,000% believe it. Because I want you to think about this. As of last year, as of January of 2022, okay, the global broad money supply is about $90 trillion at that point. The U.S. has about $30 trillion of that, roughly 30%, by the way, of that money supply, of that $30 trillion money supply. So 30% of that $30 trillion has been produced in the last couple of years, right? 2020 and 2021. With the rest of nations also adding similar quantities in recent past, so similar to that 30%, but their overall contribution to the $90 trillion in circulation is smaller, obviously, in proportion. Or not in proportion, but in the the raw number. Because we so dominate the world's uh, transactional and currency market. But what does central bank digital currency from a perspective of, not getting too far into the weeds on this, but from the perspective of what does it do for the monetary system and why would governments want to go this direction? Well, number one, it is <coughs> it is a one-to-one scenario. It, quote-unquote, strengthens the, the monetary system, and it's allegedly, and more important, it is a faster, more reliable, and less costly payment system. I want you to think about this, because the total derivatives market is 1.5 quadrillion, 1.5 quadrillion derivatives market. Don't need to get too far into the weeds. You just need to know that that's a lot of credit, debt, assumable debt, and all these other things. It is so highly leveraged, that derivatives market. The world's global debt is around $300 trillion. And guess what? Nobody really's got a clue as to the amount of credit that is actually involved in that international financial market. What does central bank digital currency do? It strengthens what you currently have. It is supposed to allow for less speculation in the marketplace, thus eliminating debt. They think that. That's what they think when it comes 
to central bank digital currency. And I saw somebody uh, write up this, okay? You can imagine nations' economies as an aircraft. Let's say the U.S. is uh, a Boeing 747 and China being an Airbus 380 and so on, with central banks controlling the aircraft using various cockpit levers, a.k.a. monetary policies. Nations operating with such excess monies is equivalent to, say, like a Boeing 747 loaded with 10 times its prescribed load. Question is, if the same old levers of power, right, the same old things that they were using to kind of control the monetary supply, right, are sufficient for central banks to keep the flight on course? That's the question. Is the old way of working, given that we are in a new age of debt, credit, all of those things, right, and we, we just keep exploding and expanding and expanding ad infinitum, is it sufficient to use those levers to control the supply, or do you need to restart? Well, look at Greece, look at Argentina, look at Venezuela and all of those places when they use those old levers in the new way, right? In the new world of debt and all the things that, that were happening. You had 125% inflation, or 150%, excuse me, inflation in Argentina. You had um, Malai, uh or Malay, or however you want to pronounce it, uh, the libertarian become president, largely based off of, uh, you know, re-dollarizing and, and moving their economy into a stronger position because it de-dollarized and getting rid of the central bank and this, that, and everything else. But they do, the, the government, the U.S. government, let me ask this very simple question. How do you get out of 30 Three now, soon to be $34 trillion of debt. When you go further into debt, running deficits of trillions of dollars as far as the eye can see at this point, because we refuse to actually budget, do sustainability, um, put money into our coffers instead of just, just printing money, because that's really what the Fed has to do if they continue down the road of those economic policies, the budgetary policies, from a government perspective. The only solution that the quote-unquote central bank, the Federal Reserve, has is to continue to print money to pay off that debt. And that becomes a very large problem, and it is a very large problem. Well, how do you get rid of that debt? You wipe the system clean. And how do you do that? You say, well, guess what? We're no longer the world's reserve currency. We've switched to a central bank digital currency, and we only accept those kinds of payments going forward. So then what do you do with all the other debt? You just write it off. It just goes into the ether. And not to get too philosophical here, but this has always been a, a, a question that economic uh, economics professors economists, people that just like to ponder things, ask. What makes a dollar a dollar? What holds value when it comes to monetary systems? It's what you and I are willing to tell government. It is what you and I are willing to tell each other that we value. Right now, we accept currency, right? We accept gold. You can accept 
goods in exchange for services and vice versa, right? You can barter, you can do whatever, but it's you and I that give that system credibility. Now, we can argue over all of the potentially terrible things that can happen with central bank digital currency, like their control over your monetary spending, credit, da-da-da-da-da, their ability to tell you what you can think, say, and do in order to get access to your money, but it's not really your money because there's a central bank controlling that payment to you, from you, all of it, right? This isn't like they're creating just a, a, a different railroad on the Bitcoin highway. No, that, that's not what's going on. We're the ones that give this value. How do I know it too? Well, guess what? We've already seen the Biden administration signal they would like to explore this. We know that there are Congress people and, and senators that would like to explore this. But it's we, the people, that are telling them in very large numbers, all hell to the no. We're the ones that hold the power here, and we always have throughout all of human history. Whatever the currency of that time was, it was because the people had accepted it. Whether that's bartering coins, whether that's, you know, one one piece of, or one bushel of wheat for, you know, whatever— However you wanted to do it, there's always been an acceptable rate of exchange. Again, whether that's goods for services, services for goods, or goods for goods, or whatever have you. Or then coinage, um, and then coinage backed by tangible assets, and then we just took the tangible asset portion of it away, and we still accepted that this was going to be the currency that we wanted to transact in as people. If we said, nah, we're not participating, what does it matter if the central bank has a, has a currency or not? They actually hold no power on that end. Now, it would take a whole hell of a lot of us to, say, go to an alter, alternative economy to go a different direction. But we actually hold that power. And, and, and that's the, the rub in all of this. If governments want to maintain their hold on power. They have to find a way to take that 90 trillion or 300 trillion dollars or whatever that number is in debt, right? And find a way forward out of it in order for that to have legitimacy going forward. Because otherwise the entire system collapses. They it is going to collapse on its own weight of debt. And the only way to get rid of it is to change course as to the types of currency that are going to be accepted. Oh, we no longer accept dollars. Well, guess what? That old debt, that was only payable in dollars. So we forgive. We write it off and it doesn't exist anymore because we said so. And that's the reality of currency. That's the reality of money. That's the reality of budgeting forever. It is only valuable. There's not like a point in time which you have to say, oh, yes, you're going to do this. Who, if everybody switches, right? If we switch, China switches, everybody switches to an absolute digital currency, the system is fundamentally changed and you're no longer accepting uh, the dollar for payment on your debt. 
or on the debt that we, you know, the, the, the money that we give out to Africa or the money to the Middle East or Europe or this or that, right? And, oh, by the way, our trade partners no longer accept the physical dollar. It's got to be the central bank digital currency of Europe or America or whatever. You see where I'm going with this? Money is always a fungible asset. It always is. It's not really a tangible asset. It is what we say it is. From a very philosophical level, it's as simple as that. Money only holds power if we tell it that it holds power, if we make this decision. The problem with central bank digital currency is that we are cut out of that system, and it's central banks that now hold all the levers of power, and I don't think we want that. More importantly, wouldn't writing that debt be modern modern monetary theory in practice? Not really. See, modern monetary theory also holds the dollar as valuable. And when you go to a central bank digital currency, when you go to the digital dollar, digital whatever, okay, when you go that direction, the rules of old economics go out the window, period, point blank. The, there are no fundamental truths of economics necessarily at that point in time. There are fundamental truths of law, the laws of supply and demand and all of those things, but those are laws because it involves what somebody is willing to offer and somebody is willing to pay for what is on offer at a very fundamental level. Again, that could be literally, I value that, uh, that creation at 10 bushels of wheat. That's law of supply and demand. It's a law because it's always going to be there. Regardless of what currency or what trade value or this or that exist. So think of it that way, folks. But they do see it as a way to eliminate debt. Do I think that that is right? Do I think that that works? Do I? Here's the question. What do companies do when people cannot pay their debt, period, point blank. They have no means to pay it ever. It's usually written off, and the other person has to go into bankruptcy and this, that, and everything else. Are you willing to allow China, America, every country in the world to go into bankruptcy because nobody's going to be able to pay their debt off because it's just so freaking large? Or do you just wipe it clean and start over? How did we get to the system of the dollar, paper money, and coinage, and this and that? You have to think through those things as a society. Did, did, did that just come up out of thin air? And No, it turns out that people held value to the physical coin or the makeup of the coin or whatever have you. It's what we, as people, say it is in terms of its value. And with that, folks, please have a good rest of your day. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals. And as always, Matthew 547. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.